Yep, I will be the guy at work in a costume, meeting with customers, doing trainings, doing customer-facing activities. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't. Uh, is it a tasteful Mario, or is it like a like a balls-out Mario? Uh, I mean, I do fully have my dick out in this costume, yes. Uh, then I think you should be good. Okay. Welcome to Brokazatsu, Two Brothers Exploration of Tokazatsu Shows and Related Media. My name's Sam. And I'm Harry. And I would like to apologize to my co-host Sam, because uh, the timing of this podcast meant that he just spent about ten minutes sitting quietly while I finished some food. Well, I mean, it, it was valuable time that I could have used to, you know, do some research for the game that we're having at the end of the show. I didn't, yeah. but I could have, in theory. Uh, you know, I'd like to say something about expecting better, but at this point, yeah, yeah, that's, that's about, you know, we, I, I know how this that's, works. That's par for course. We know what we're getting. Uh, although Harry, we don't know what we're getting with Zero One yet. Hey, hey, check out that segue. Hey, Kamen Rider Zero One, Episode Nine. Uh, continuing mm. right where the last one left off with Fua getting kicked in the damn throat. Uh, wait, did you say kicked in the throat? Yeah, he was kicked. It, it was no, he uh, he was stabbed in the throat. But well, it was a stab kick. Like it, uh, the whole thing of Hirobi's special attack was that he had like he summoned his energy scorpion and it wrapped its stinger around his whole leg and he kicked a blade thing into his throat. So it was it was both a kick and a stab. Harry, like I I feel I feel you emphasized the wrong part of that statement. Like rank these two statements in order of severity. I got kicked in the throat. I got stabbed in the throat. Uh, okay, yeah, stabbing is probably worse. Mm-hmm. But like, this is Kamen Rider. Like, pe- it's it's known for its writer kicks, not its writer stabs. Mm. I got writer kicked in the throat. I got writer stabbed in the throat. I don't know, Harry. I still think statement two takes it. Uh, well, in any case, uh, Fua is being wheeled into the emergency room, and Yua is genuinely distraught running alongside saying like the uh, you fool you gotta pull out can you hear me can you hear me yep she is running and yelling don't give up so easy and i kind of like i like you uh she's one of my favorite characters of the show but bitch he just got stabbed in the throat like don't say don't give up don't guilt trip him back to health and she she's feeling kind of guilty for some reason in this episode Almost as though she hasn't exactly been the best partner over the past few episodes. Almost as though she's had her own secret agenda that Fuwa isn't aware of that might have compromised the situation and led to his injury. Uh, but for now, he is very badly hurt, and the surgeon that they have to come help him is Dr. Omegoto, a human gear. Who quickly scans him and declares that if we don't operate on him now, his life will be in danger. Which makes me kind of step back and think, wow, you're a bad doctor. He might be kind of cushioning the blow a little bit because stuff is going pretty rough right now. Like, I don't think he's going to say, yes, this man has an 18% chance to survive in the next five hours. I He probably could have just gone with, we need to operate on him now. I think that is all he needed to say. 
well, they he goes off to do just that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's kind of a busy day because outside uh, there is the Giger, the giant sentinel mech broadcasting a hacking signal to the marching platoon of trilobite human gears in front of it. The Titans walk on another hospital. Uh, and Jin's, Jin's happy that they're going to bust it up and get a bunch of new friends. But Aruto is here, and he's not going to let that happen. Yes, it's Zero One versus both baddies. The baddies that schooled all three of these people the previous episode. This is not going to go well. Yep. Uh, the Hirobi says this is just a matter of natural selection. Humanity is going to be wiped out at the hand of their own technology. There's some yelling back and forth, but Hirobi again pulls out the Hercules progress key and hits Aruto with an attack. Yes, uh, Aruto tries to deflect it. He is thrown asunder, uh, and the bad guys just kind of casually walk away as he recovers behind uh, some kind of like box or trash heap or something. I mean, there's lots of rubble because there is a mech walking down the street, crashing into buildings. It, this is a bad time. I suppose, I suppose. Like, a lot of movies don't really focus on the abject horror of, like, a Titan or a, a giant mech or a Jaeger just kind of casually existing in an environment. Like, the death that it would cause with every single step would be pretty horrifying. Oh, God, yeah. Like, uh, uh so I. I hope I'm not revealing too much by mentioning that I read this, because it's definitely a super trashy, uh, very problematic manga. But there's one about mechs, canon god Exaxian, uh, that it 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 goes pretty heavy on that. With uh, the, the tech gets really high early on, and the mech that they're dealing with is firing, like, antimatter-powered railgun rounds. And they quickly realize the first thing, like, yeah, just the firing pressure of this gun is killing everybody in the region. And like as he's walking down the road, he's stepping on cars, and it, it's it's kind of grim dark. Man, that's almost more grim dark than some of the like actual grim dark forty k Titan books I've read. Yeah, and that's that's not even I don't know. It's, it's by the Gunsmith Cats guy. They're, if you know anything about him, you know some of the stuff in that mega. That's kind of messed up. I know not a single thing about him. This is the first time I've heard of him and all his works. There's better manga to read. Great. Uh, but anyway, uh, so. Uh, a news report is letting the public know how to deal with this whole situation. And the best thing they could say is, human gears, when they're hacked, have bright red eyes. So if you see a human gear with red eyes, stay away from it. Also, Harry, where are the news shows getting this up-close footage? Like, the footage they show, isn't it of, like, of the entertainer from episode one? Yeah. Where where did they, where did they get that footage, Harry? Uh, you know... I feel like Metsubojin Ryan might be cutting their own promos. Oh, they're like ISIS? Like they got handhelds and they're just uploading it to YouTube afterwards? I can see that. I mean, yeah, that, that tracks and makes sense. I, You know what? Headcanon. Official accepted headcanon. Metsubojin Rai, just like ISIS. Hirobi's off, like, polishing his weapons and planning the downfall of humanity, but Jin is hanging out with Little Assassin working on uh, Windows Movie Maker to, to make some cool things. He's making AMVs of the transformations. Wonderful. Wonderful. The vice president guy, who has been absent for a little bit, is here because, guess what? The company is having some problems. Their stocks are down. The public is rallying against them, and I wonder why. Yeah, they've gotten over 3,000 requests from shareholders. And if they don't act now, then the whole human gear industry might fall. Yes, they're having a bit of a morality dilemma. Like, the vice president... 
uh, and his assistants there advising immediately shutting down all the medical human gears and all the hospitals because they're being targeted by the terrorists. Uh, whereas Izu uh, is recommending that they do not because, you know, if you turn turns out if you turn off all the doctors and nurses in an area. Yeah, sick people are not going to get better. Especially when there's a mech walking around, knocking down buildings. And she says, like, the medical industry is 70% human gears at this point. If you take those out of the equation, then the casualties could be just as high off of people not getting treatment. You know, it's a really hard and really awful situation. And a genuinely hard question to answer. Yeah, and Aruto is sitting and paralyzed. Like, the vice president is pretty right in looking at him and saying, like, yeah, you're just playing at being president aren't you you're we need strong decision making right now though it does kind of like i am a little curious like did they forget that medical human gears are supposed to be not linked to the satellites uh i mean maybe it's like the human gears can cast out but i i think that the signals like uh at a different level where they could send a signal that just says like turn off or something like there's there's an emergency shutdown but they can't communicate beyond that that's still, ugh. Harry. Harry, you're you're a network security expert. How does that read to you? Like a completely off the grid, uh, you know, technological device that still has an emergency shutdown access remote. Is that is that secure or is that a backdoor in? I mean, it's totally a backdoor. Uh, th- there's lots of stuff of th- these things aren't secure. They're being hacked all the time. You know, it's the thing of. How the government can turn on your cell phone even once turned off or whatever. There's all kinds of backdoors in all your electronic equipment. Everyone put stickers over your cameras at all times. So Shesta, the vice president's cool, sexy human gear, gets into kind of a stare-off with Izu. And uh, the vice president says, yeah, just shut them down. That's the order I'm giving. Uh, you Aruto isn't saying anything. That's all the authorization you need. And it works. Like, the... They shut down every single doctor and nurse uh, in the targeted area. We see various scenes of uh, nurses like just stopping wheeling patients in the middle of hallways. Like, I, I get that they're doing this emergency. Like, they could have sent some. They could have sent a warning. Like, hey, doctors, maybe sit down. Like, it's it's the Philip conundrum in uh in Common Rider W. Like, they literally just stop exactly where they are. Some fall over, some are in, like, the middle of procedures. It, it's like you said, they're on a separate network. The The only button they have is the hard off or hard on button. Ugh, I guess so. Dr. Omigoto, like, mid-giving some uh, directions as to treating Fuwa, shuts down and is kind of knocked aside as people are rushing past. And Fuwa quickly is told there aren't any other surgeons to deal with him. Uh, we cut back to the enemy. Uh, who are uh, wandering around and they notice that all the medical humor gears have been shut down. Uh, Jin is a little sad about this, uh, but the leader, he suspects that the humans will not be able to sustain this and that they will turn the doctors back on shortly. Yeah, Hirobi, he's thinking ahead. So Aruto is in his office in the 3D printing room and he's dejected. He's just sitting on a chair saying, Izu, I know that Metsubo Jinrai might be evil humor gears, but there are so many others that are good. And there's a quick montage of all the ones that have been murdered over the past eight episodes. Mm-hmm. I, I refuse to believe that all of them may be a threat. I don't have any evidence. I just hope. 
uh, Yua comes in at this point and uh, demands to know why all the doctors have been shut down. Her partner is in critical condition and he needs help. I know there's a risk, but there are human gears that are still helping people even though they were almost hacked. When she was looking at Dr. Omegoto falling down, she saw he was actually hit in the neck with one of those hacking tentacle things, but he's one of those ones that advanced off that he just straight up fought it off. He resisted. And if you if you shut all of them down, it's all for nothing. <laughs> Daruto turns to her and says, this, I haven't seen you this emotional. I I was kind of suspecting that you were a human gear. Wait, is, is that what it says in your translation? Yeah, what, what translation did you use? I, I went with Overtime. Uh, I went with the uh, translation that's on that uh, random Facebook channel that uploads like every third episode or so. Okay. Uh, I, I I don't know what it's called. It's I said it a couple episodes ago. But the translation Corp, on my end... Writer Time? What? Writer Time or Genom Corp or one of those? Might be Writer Time. Might be Writer Time. Uh, but the translation on my end was, so even you act like an emotional human sometimes. You uh, kind of looks awkwardly at the ceiling and says, we're partially responsible for what's happening here. Uh, the Giger unit that they seized is an Abe's weapon. Mm-hmm. We were too dependent on tech. We brought this on ourselves. We rely too much on our tools. Partly responsible for what's happening here. And then she hands uh, the uh, mammoth gear to Izu. And uh, Aruto, his heart turns around, and he says that they need to reactivate all the human gears now. Yeah, if he doesn't have faith in the human gears, then who will? Good old Aruto. Having faith even when he probably, probably shouldn't. Yeah, and this is this is a bit before Yua gives the key to Izu, but uh, right now, when he has no more tricks in his sleeve, he says, I, I gotta go stop the Giger. I know I can't, but I still gotta, whatever. So when Izu is scanning the uh, mammoth key uh, that uh, Yuya retrieved a few episodes ago, uh, she says that it looks familiar to her. It reminds her of uh, something that the corporation was working on. And to be clear, what they were working on was not a weapon, Harry. It was absolutely 100% not a weapon. Yeah, it's a heavy vehicle designed for emergency rescue operations. That's yep. why it's a. That's why it's a teleporting giant mech with blades. That, Sticking uh, out of his chest. They have like a briefcase that's a sword. Like what? What is that for? Like cutting down like grain or something? I know, I know, but it's like just, just admit what you were doing, guys. Everyone knows it's a weapon. Yua is real impressed, and as she leaves, she has a question for Izu. If a singularity occurs, do you think human gears will mostly act in goodwill? And Izu doesn't really have an answer, so she heads out. We jump back to the doctor, Humagear, uh, who is uh, doing a pre-surgery pep talk. Like he is just psyching himself up for going into the surgery. I mean, it keeps showing the wound. So I think the thing is, like, the hacking, it didn't it didn't get all the way through, but he's still having to kind of fight it off a little bit. I need to heal this man, not murder him. I can't murder him. Need to heal him. I'm a doctor. I'm a good doctor. Don't murder like, elsewhere, a nurse lady who got hacked, the one who got hit in the neck by a little assassin, she does kind of spontaneously revert, but uh, the the doctor is fighting it. We jump back to the baddies. They are attacking another hospital. Uh, they break down the ceiling, and they send in the tentacles, and a lot of nurses and doctors transform into the minions. And uh, we, we see some shots of the minions, like, attacking some of the uh, invalid patients there, which uh, I'm... I want to just kind of put a marker on that spot, and we'll come back to it in a couple minutes. So Izu is 
talking to herself as to whether or not human gears contain ill will that I do not know, but I want to believe in Aruto, even if the result is detrimental to the company. Is that goodwill or is that malice? On the subject of Aruto, he is there, he is at the hospital, and he is uh, up and ready to attack the baddies. Yeah. He he is fighting, he's wiping out the new, ever-increasing waves of mooks. Uh, but then, unfortunately, the uh, heavy gear turns its attention to him and just slaps him backwards. Getting some real Vanquish vibes here, like that boss fight where you're having to deal with the big breakdancing mech. Uh, that is a reference I do not know. You, you should play Vanquish. Okay. What system is it on? One that we currently own? I mean, I think it's on PC. All right. But for, for now, we'll... we'll uh... We watch Izu as she enters the scene at a power slide. She she was running so fast that her feet kind of screech like tires. Which you call it right now. Izu is the most terrifying person on this show. I mean, they have been quietly showing like she's very strong. She was able to lift that old guy stuff. She's she's able to instantly analyze enemies. She is alerting and stuff. It would be super super cool if a late show reveal would be she's actually transforming her stuff. Of course, the other possibility is that the late show reveal is she is the final boss for some reason. You know, I would be satisfied with either. Yeah. So she passes the new progress key to Aruto, and he summons the Breaking Mammoth. So we get to see a chunky CG fight between two giant mechs, and, and, and I like a good mech fight. I'm not complaining too much, but not their best fight. That satellite that's sending down the orders... Half of it is a teleporting fighter plane mech. That can transform. It's, oh god, why am I blanking on this area? Robotech, Robotech, uh, Viratech. Yeah. It is a Viratech transforming fighter. It goes to battleoid mode. And uh, Aruto is fighting. He's doing, like, stuff with big... So, the the Gigers do have tusk attachments. So, the whole time, this was kind of mammoth-themed. Yep. And he does a finisher by firing kind of a cartridge into the air. It gets even huger, and he rides it down, kind of slamming into the ground. I, A lot of the time, uh, it's kind of questionable why they're not able to use the power-ups. I have to assume in this situation, the reason why I can't use this is that it causes so much devastating collateral damage, he can't justify using it most of the time. Oh yeah, yeah, the force of this finisher would destroy every building in a several block radius, and they're right at the middle of a hospital town. Yeah, like, I mean, I guess the human gears kind of probably already killed everybody in the hospital, so maybe it's like, eh, write this one off. Mm-hmm. Uh, then again, we immediately jump cut to a news footage where it is reported that uh, Metsubo Jinrai was fought off and there were no casualties, Harry. They say that there were no casualties. Zero. Not a one. <laughs> no cas- no ca- no casualties, but 10,000 fatalities. <laughs> <laughs> 10,000 dead, none wounded. <laughs> uh yeah so her Hirobi does say like zero one you do seem to defy all calculations i'll give you that and that's as they just leave for this episode uh we jump back to the corporation office where izu is up in uh is up in naruto's office alone and yuya shows up uh yuya is having a very good day uh her partner was saved they fought off Metsubo Jinrai and so she's in a good mood as she approaches uh Izu to have another philosophical conversation yeah about that question i asked i i do believe that human gears are capable of goodwill 
Yeah. But and Izo turns. I have a question too. And she points to the television. Because a news report is happening. Who recorded this footage? It's the footage of Lil Assassin in his first episode being like the one that was hacked by Yua and sent to kill Aruto. And like the the news has gotten the footage of this and like he wasn't being hacked by Metsubo Jinrai at the net Metsubo Jinrai at the time. So he is being shown as the first example of a Humagear attacking someone while not hacked by them. <laughs> Great. Yes. A Humagear attacking of his own volition. But uh Izu, she you know, she realizes, wait, this is not a Metsubo Jinrai Isis YouTube video. Someone else must have been there. Let's go to a wider shot, shall we? Yeah, she does the Blade Runner zoom and enhance around the corner, and there's there's Yua taking video with her phone. Is that you, Mrs. Yaiba? And Yua, just her face goes blank and she says, no, it's not, and walks out. So we cut to a roof. There is a lovely sunset going on in the background, and Fuwa is there uh, in a wheelchair, big old bandage around his neck, but very much alive. Uh, and he's at a crisis, as he tells to Arto. It's like he has two memories fighting each other. It's like it's like there's two shooting wolves inside him, one believing that Yuugiers are the enemy, and one realizing that one saved his life. <laughs> yep. Like, they're laying out... Harry, didn't I call this a previous episode? That the reason he was being extra dickish the previous... Like, in episode 7 was so that in episode 8... He could have a moment where he's forced to acknowledge that a human gear saved his life. I was worried he was going to dig in his heels and at the episode, at the end of the episode, be like, whatever, I still hate human gears. But now he's admitting that, yeah, they actually saved some people. They did some good like that. That's more than I was expecting. And so I'm happy. Yeah. Nice character growth. And then Naruto makes a joke and causes him to laugh, which, you know, injures him because he is just out of surgery. Sounds like Fu was not sure what his aims are anymore. Eh? <laughs> but what was uh, the joke in your version? Uh, I didn't write it down. I don't think Writer Time actually does pun jokes at all. Well, that's why I like Overtime, baby. I like having, I like having the differing views, like you know, the different translations, the, the different takes on a sentence. Yeah, it, it's fun, but I, I have a taste, and I'm following it, and I'm really liking Counter Writer Zero One so far. Yes. Also, Perry. Uh, before we get too much further, just need to point out something. The nice human gear that we ran into this episode lived. Yeah, it's he lived. The it's doctor the lived. Time. Yeah, like, it, and I'll also point this out to you, Sam. The lady doctor from last episode is definitely dead. Technically, we never saw her die. We technically, technically never saw her die. I probably lost that one, but we can't confirm it. You know what? I bet she'll never show up for the rest of the series, but then she'll show up in some, like, crossover movie later in five years just to piss me off. Ha <laughs> ha! I'm gonna bank this one away just to shove it in your face in five years' time. <sighs> Whatever. So that's Kamen Rider Zero One, but let's go back to Zawame City. Alrighty.
Kamen Rider Gaim, episode 15. Yes, we begin uh, with the main character and uh, Baron being drugged into the enemy corporation through the main lobby. Yeah, they're in cuffs and they're all beaten up because they were roughed up at the end of the last episode. This is not a subtle corporation, Harry. Yeah, yeah, they 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 kind of own the town, literally. They are presented to the scientist and the previously unseen female villain, uh, who was, you know, in the, the pink rider costume the previous episode. Yep, Minato Yuko. They're sat down, and Ryoma apologizes for his colleague's manners, but I, I need you to hear what I say. Uh, I'm Ryoma Waring, the creator of the Waring Driver, and I'll point this out again, Sam, this is the thing with the translation where... He translated Sengoku as the name of the Warring States era, so it's Warring, and now, now he's kind of just rolling forward with it, because fuck it. So he just, he decided to change the name of the scientist to Warring? Yeah. Uh, it it works. It works. It probably doesn't work, but it works. Uh, so Kota points out, like, hey, our, our belts say weird jingles when we transform? And Ryoma kind of shrugs and says, it's a guilty pleasure, what can I say? <laughs> So, yeah, we get a scene where the scientist starts to plot dump to the main character and to Baron. Baron is finding out a lot here. He's just now finding out that the belts that were given to them because they're guinea pigs. There's an instance where uh, Kota attempts to jump the scientist and is knocked down by the uh, uh, by the female villain, whose name, Harry, what's her name? I re- uh, You really need to make me that cheat sheet. Can you make me that cheat sheet? I literally already made you the cheat sheet. Where Where the hell is it? Did you email it to me? It's it's on Google Docs. I sent it to you. Oh, it's on Google Docs. All right. I need to open it. I'm pulling it up right now. Like, there's a couple more people to add, but yeah. Oh, well, then it's useless. God damn it, Sam. Is it under ah. Brokazatsu Notes Volume 3? It's Gaim Cheat Sheet. Where the hell is it? How long ago did you send it to me? <sighs> Anyway, <laughs> about Hase, all I can say it was an unfortunate tragedy, but his human life ended the second he bit into that fruit. Uh, they accuse him of, yeah, they accuse him of being the person behind using them as guinea pigs, which he tells them to don't jump to conclusions. Uh, the data collection project was the overseer's responsibility. I just created the belts. And Kota is being real ornery, but Baron wants to sit down and listen because, hey... I need to know what this power is and how to control it to destroy our enemies. And Waring gives a polite little clap. Yes, very logical. Uh, the scientist turns around to do more plot dumping, at which point uh, Kota looks to Baron, and Baron does a little close-up magic while gesturing towards the various lock seats on the desk. Baron's close-up magic will save everyone, Harry. Ryoma is explaining that the power held within these fruits is incalculable, it can transform and take over a living thing, but if we could safely utilize all of that energy, it could be the next stage in human evolution. As he's explaining this, Baron fires the card at him in that not-actually-possible way of turning a playing card into a weapon, but Minato saw this coming, knocks it out of the air with a pen, and again beats the hell out of these boys. Now, to be fair, Harry, I have seen a YouTube video of someone throwing a playing card at a very, very, very ripe banana, and it made a slight cut in it. Yeah, like, you can bruise fruit with playing cards. That's about the level. You can bruise fruit that is already extremely soft and barely holding itself together. Like, if you got someone in the eye, you could probably distract them enough to 
you know, hit them with something else. Like, it could be a move, but not, like, a killing thing. From this, we jump to a villain huddle, uh, where the evil brother uh, and Sid are having a another moral dilemma. The brother wants to just contain these guys. Like, there is no need to destroy them. The only reason they were fighting was because they were free and had belts. Whereas Sid thinks that they should just be disposed of completely. We're starting to realize that Takatora doesn't realize he's a bad guy. And he's like, no, we're, we're doing good guy stuff. And he's at these meetings full of villains doing villain stuff. He's like, no, I'm fine. We're fine. He straight up says at various points in this in the next episode that he is in charge of the project to save humanity. Yeah. He thinks he's the hero of this story. We'll, we'll get there. Sid realizes exactly what he is. And so does the DJ. DJ Sagra pops onto the screen. Hey, uh, you, you may think you're protecting those kids, but I doubt they're going to see it that way. Uh, once a person gets a taste of power, they usually don't give it up. Or do you think they're just going to give you the belts? Yes, we have all the different uh, villain motivations here. The brother wants to contain these guys. Sid wants to destroy these guys. The DJ wants them to fear these guys. And the scientist wants to study them. Uh, Ryoma is given a, a whole offer. He, he's offering something to the kids. Yeah, uh, I I have perfected the method of mass-producing drivers. We now have these ones that don't need to be initialized. Anybody can use them. And as far as the corporation thinks, that's all they want from me. But I have plans for new belts. Way more powerful ones. And he, he brings up these drawings of big, spiky, like, demon belts. Like, he you, he was... He was practicing being on Gaim, or, like, being on Garo with the, the demon artifacts. <laughs> uh, this is this is turning into a very Garo-style show. I haven't gotten official support, but if you'll agree to be my guinea pigs, you can use the power however you want. Power that dwarfs a warring driver. Eh? Are you interested? They decline, and so they're thrown into jail cells. Yeah, just, just keep thinking about the offer. We jump to a scene of Mai. Like, this is... This is such a sad scene, Harry. Maya's still trying. Oh, she doesn't know what's happening yet. Like, she still thinks this is about dance, Harry. This is about expression. It's about art. Yeah, and but the sad thing is, like, given the information she has, she's making very logical choices. She's called together the various beat writer groups and saying, Hey, we should stop playing the invest game. Everybody thinks we're summoning monsters that are hurting them, and... It's just getting bad press. So if we give up the game, then they'll know that we're not behind the monsters and everything will be fine. Uh, what's extra tragic about this is, like, so they have Team Gaim, Team Baron, Team Ridewild, and uh, Team uh, People with Glasses, whose name I don't know or care about. Invito. Great, great. So these are all the side characters that, you know, were kind of in the background of the show and then the show stopped caring about. She's trying to rally the background actors. Yeah, and I mean, half the lead, like, there are no leaders at this meeting, specifically because half of them are dead. Haze and Yuya, definitely dead, even though yeah. no one here realizes that. Baron is off, just constantly fighting in Helheim. Uh, you know, Kota and Michi are not telling the team about the crazy science fight they're having with an evil corporation. Uh, Jonichi is, he's just hiding in the, the cake shop. He is becoming a patisserie. And everybody just kind of scoffs at Mai and walks off. Kota is chilling down in the reasonably comfortable cell he's been given. 
By the way, he is wearing a hoodie. Like, does his hoodie say lab rat? Or just rat? Uh, it... I'm not sure. Like, there's weird fashion on Toki people, and if you look at it, like, in the first episode of Kamen Rider Zero One, Aruto is wearing a hoodie that says corned beef. <laughs> like, I don't know if this is a hoodie that he borrowed from his friend Rat, or, uh, my wife, we were watching this together, she had the theory that the corporation gave them hoodies that straight up said Lab Rat when they put them down in the jail cells. This is your branded, uh, your branded loyalty gear. <laughs> and the corporation had enough time and foresight to create those hoodies for when the people were locked up in prison cells. I mean, they're mad scientists that's building jingles into their war crime transformation belts, so what else are they going to do? That's true. That's true. Uh, as he is moping downstairs, uh, the DJ stops by to harass them. And kind of to drop some hints about what he thinks they should be doing. DJ Sagara shows up. Hey, hello, big hero. Yeah, I'm I'm with the Yggdrasil, and uh, it's been a big honor, guy. You you brought a tidal wave of hits to my sight. Yes, uh, the main character, he shoots back. He's very angry at uh, what he has helped accomplish. But the DJ never flinches, never blinks. He knows what he is, and he is happy with it, and he kind of wants it to continue. Yeah. And so he like- hands over an experimental part of a driver, and the key to the jail cell, even though uh, the main character can't quite reach it himself. And as he's leaving, he says, none of you dancers, you'd have never shown as bright without us. So keep on shining. Yeah, like, and there's a bit of a conversation he has with Kota about, like, he he straight up asks Kota, do you want more power? And Kota says, I... I wanted to be able to protect people in the city, like, Yagdrasil isn't doing it, but I don't want it in and of itself. And this is the answer Kota gave that interests him enough to give him this help. So, uh, Michi shows up as soon as the DJ leaves, and uh, with the help of the keycard, uh, gets uh, gets Kota out of the cell. Uh, they run, uh, and they also free Baron from his cell. Baron says that he's not leaving this place without his belt, and Kota says, neither am I. Sagra called it, they're not giving up this power. And so they run back to where they met the scientist, and where there was an upgraded belt on the table. Harry, did I misread this? Like, does Baron now have an upgraded belt? No, he, he got one of the master production belts, the one that aren't locked to a specific person. Oh, okay. So his specific belt is gone, but he got one that works exactly the same as the one before. No, he, he has both now. He, he has a spare transformation belt. Oh, cool. One that he can give to anyone. Yes, which may come up in the next set of episodes we're covering. Does Mai get to become a writer, or does she just get straight screwed? Hell no, she has a vagina. <laughs> Well, there is a female writer on this show. Yeah, yeah. But she's a villain who I'm not sure is named this episode. Uh, they, they do name drop her. Like, Miss Minato, why'd you let them go? And stuff like that. Anyway. So, yeah. Uh, they're running out. They it, they get into some big dance fighting in the halls with Kurokage, Kurokage the, the Pinecone Troopers. Yes. Uh, Baron transforms and fights them off. Uh, well, the main character and Michi go the other direction. And then they have to split again, because Michi is like, I'll hide in this cabinet and run away. And as his, yeah. So, Kota alone goes to the big crack in the basement, where he is confronted by Sid. You know, you're still our honored guests. You could just go back to your cell and it'd be fine. Kota, he starts transforming very, very slowly. <laughs> like, he just kind of activates his belt 
and leaves the CGI transforming like helmets just kind of floating a couple feet above his head, not really locking it in and completing it. Depending on how urgent the situation is, people are much more or less efficient with their transformations. Yeah, but he wants to keep fighting and Sid wants him to go back to his cell. And so it's time for them to fight Sid versus Coda. And Sid transforms into Kamen Rider Sigurd. Like, I'm not expecting you to remember that name. He's a Viking-themed Kamen Rider, but you're just going to call him Sid, and that's fine. I'm absolutely just going to call him Sid. They're fighting, they tumble through the crack, and Sid is overpowering him. These belts are significant upgrades. Uh, he's not just, like, hurting him with his belts, he's hurting him with his words. Sid is pointing out, like, uh, the flaws of what Gaim has been doing. He is going with the emotional guilt. He's yeah. saying that Haze, yeah, Sid kills Haze, but because of Gaim's inaction, Haze hurt a lot of people before he went down. And that's kind of on you, Gaim. And Kota cops to that, but says he's not going to let him call himself a hero for killing him. So Sid, Sid is firing homing shots that arc through the trees. He's doing pretty good. But then and Baron drives through the crack on his bike. Yep. And so we get a double bike attack action going on. Uh, Baron uh, tosses Coda another bike ring. They both go into bike mode. Uh, Sid is unable to land a shot, even though he has homing arrows. And they do a speeding attack and slash him up as they're leaving. Sid gets pissed. He he pulls the the Loxid out and is set up to do the finisher that vaporized Hase. But the arrow gets shot out of the air by Yoko. Uh, she comes through, she detransforms, and she tells Sid to detransform as well. Sid asks why she blocked the shot, and she says, Hey, you were going for the kill there. You weren't just fucking around anymore. And the scientist wants these guys to live. And the episode ends with Michi running through the... He's running through some of the sewers, past the grating. He's getting into a fight with more guards. And we finally hit the point where Takatora looks at a security camera and realizes that his brother has been neck deep in all this stuff. Yes, that his brother has to transform on camera for him to realize what is going on. We are, what, 15 episodes deep into this series, and just now, just now, the supposedly super smart brother realizes that his brother is at all involved. Uh, episode 4 was the one where he became a common writer, so yeah, but, 12 uh, episodes. But the brother doesn't real. he didn't realize he was on the dance teams. No, yeah, true. Like, that's been going on for months, if not years. Yeah. It, Takatora literally got handed a piece of paper that if he turned it over had, would have said, your brother is involved in this. And he was like, I don't need to read this. Whatever, I can deal with it. Sid straight up asked him, hey, do you think your brother might be involved in this? And Takatora said, no, that's impossible. To which Sid just chuckled. That's the episode break. When we come into the start of 16... Uh, Michi is fighting now some hover bikes that Yagdrasil Corporation has invented. Yes, Michi and then Baron and uh, Kota uh, in the opposite dimension, uh, they get to reenact the Star Wars speeder bike fight. Uh, and this is the big moment, Sam, that I'm not sure you noticed. At one point during this fight, Baron actually uses his lance like a lance and attacks somebody while moving forward. Oh my god, Harry. Yeah, like It he finally happened. He does a bunch of twirling and spinning moves that don't make any sense at all. But at one specific moment, he actually thrusts forward with it. Nice. Very nice. Also in this extended speeder bike chase, uh, there is a moment where uh, 
Kota is transforming and he uses the various helmets that are swapping onto his body uh, as offensive weapons. Which leads me to believe, like, I mean, that that seems like a very effective attack. Why does he just transform three or four times in each fight just to throw his head at people? Oh, I'm, I mean, I don't know how hard they hit, but it it is showing, like, he's a dancer and he's finding opportunities in the fight to, even while swapping between powers, knock people off and give by himself on some time. Yeah, they hit 88 miles an hour and they uh, go into the different dimension. And so they're home. Yeah, and... Sid looks at the backs of our heroes and says, okay, so why are we letting them escape again? And Yoko says, not my business. <laughs> Professor Ryoma said so, and he knows what he's doing. Uh, so people are free. Uh, they have escaped. Uh, Kota uh, and Mai, they swing by the hospital to go visit Rat, who had been wounded a couple episodes ago. And you were very worried, Sam, because he got slashed by an invest in the episode that uh, we, we were finding out that that's kind of a death sentence. But Rat is fine. They looked at his wound, and there were no signs of plants growing there, so he just got to heal up, and he'll be good to go. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what to make of that. I mean, he was slashed by a human that had recently become a monster. A monster who had never, now that I think about it, never actually been in Helheim. So maybe there's something uh, there. But I don't know. I just don't know uh, what the rules of the infection are yet. And I'm wondering if the show will get to them, or if it's just kind of a random thing. That some cuts turn into infections and some do not. No, there's lots of quirks to the zombie plague. <laughs> Kota apologizes. He says, I could have stopped this earlier. But Rat says, you don't need to feel bad about everything that happens in the world. <laughs> oh, Kota, your sister's really messed with you, hasn't she? She really has. I gotta be honest, I forget what this next scene is. All I have in my notes is strictly ballroom drop. What's wrong with the way I dance? Uh oh well, my and one of and one of the other team guy members, uh, they're walking down the street and my super sad. Like, ugh, why are they refusing to help? We all got into this to dance. Why does everybody care about rankings? And the, the friend says, eh, things change when people started fighting. Harry, can you find can you find the circular ballroom like a, a audio drop and just insert it right here? What's wrong with you? That's what I've been trying to find out for the last three weeks, Wayne. What's wrong with me? What is so wrong with the way I dance? No one will get that. Not a single person in this world will get that joke. But it will still make me happy. Even though I'm not going to listen to the episode because I, I'm recording it, so why would I listen to it? They turn on the street and see an invest pulling a bank heist? <laughs> uh, they track the invest back to the docks or like some kind of random pier uh, where team... Was it Team Red Hot? Yeah, Team Red Hot. The team that got a belt, but were beaten up by Baron and had to take it away. Like, they were this close to being important, man. <laughs> well, now they're bank robbers. Yeah. And they have forgotten why they started to dance, Harry. They have forgotten the art. So, Mai asks them what the hell they're doing, and they say, Well, everyone thinks beat riders are psycho monster summoners anyway, so we might as well enjoy ourselves. He basically snaps his fingers and tells the invest to kill Mai. Uh, the Invis is jumped by another Invis. It's Zack of Team Baron. And he says, yeah, yeah, do you have a Death Wish or something? Like, every, every other Beat Rider team is like this. When we figured out how to jailbreak our lock seeds, it turns out that you can summon way more powerful, fully materialized Invis like the belts can. Harry, did we miss a time jump? Or is this like an hour after uh, Baron and Kota have escaped from the other realm? 
Now that I mean this, I think this is literally just something that's been happening with people not realizing. Like the side characters, the background characters, they've been working on jailbreaking their Invis toys. Yeah, like I kind of like that. The the even when the camera isn't looking at someone, they're still doing things. Well, I mean, it's like the conundrum of how you fight hackers. Like they have unlimited time and resources, so they'll win in the end. So m- most of the invests in the city are actually being used to commit crimes. Well, I, that's what Zach says, but I think that Zach just isn't as aware about the cracks. So it's this is a perception thing, though. Like even if a very small percentage of the invests are people uh, le- using them for crimes, everyone is going to blame them. And my freaks out because like no one is ever going to believe me. <laughs> Yeah, Maya's having a real bad time. Takatora sits sit down in a chair and says, What the hell do you have to say to your, say for yourself? Why did you give him a driver? Oh, Sid. I love Sid. He is so passive-aggressive in this scene. No idea, man. Same thing that happened with your watermelon. A missing <laughs> driver just found its way into his hands. Look, I thought he had your permission. Why would I dare suggest the head of a project to save humanity wouldn't have his one and only blood brother by his side? That would just be ridiculous. <laughs> oh, Sid, never change until you die in, like, episode 45. Should I call the episode where Sid dies? Because if so, I'm calling 45. 45 is your prediction. Gotcha. So Rio pops onto the screen and says, like, hey, uh, put aside your little squabble and help deal with grown-up problems. Uh, I I have to figure out how those kids escaped containment. These breaches of security are way too flagrant, and there's a prototype missing from my laboratory. Uh, he has some schematics on a scene of the uh, missing prototype, and Sid and the scientists, they realize that there is a mole in the organization. Uh, none of them immediately put it together that it's the DJ. I mean, it's a big corporation, there's probably lots of people in it, and uh, pe- people are overlooking him a lot. Well, also, the DJ seems to appear uh, t- at the various uh, scenes as like a hologram or on a video feed. So he's trying to give the impression that he is distant, even though it would seem that he is very close at hand. Like a, a while ago, Sam, you asked the question of like what member of the Sinister Six he was. And I got to tell you, I can't exactly answer that question yet, but it's a fun answer. Is it Mysterio? Well, well maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're seeing some hints. Anyway, uh, so Kota, he's at home, and he has a new energy uh, lock seed, like a lemon one. And he's tried to figure out how it works, but he can't, but it's not doing anything in the regular driver. There's also some kind of dongle attachment, but he can't quite figure out how to use it. Which I sympathize with. This thing did not come with a manual. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, like... Back at the, so Michi is go- walking into his home, and in in as he goes into his room, he sees his brother sitting there looking at the secret files he stole. I'm impressed how much data you copied in so little time. What were you going to do with this? Michi says he was going to tell the world. He was going to expose the corporation for what it had done. Like Michi, for all his intelligence, he does not have a plan. And, and Takatora just nods quietly and says, I, I thought you were one of the ones who needed protecting, but that was just my clouded judgment. You've chosen to fight here. You've you've chosen to fight in the here and now rather than leave that to the future, just like me. It goes to show you have the same Kurishima blood flowing through your veins. You truly are my brother. So he's impressed. 
And then his chair twirls menacingly. It's time you learn the truth. All of it. Kota shows up at the Red Hot Clubhouse to yell at everybody. Kota and Ghost Future Mai, they have very bad track records as far as guilt trips go. I mean, Kota, he's a good guy, but he does have that problem of not realizing that there's bad people in the world. Yeah, yeah. And Team Team Red Hot, turns out, they're assholes. Like, he's, he says, I saw someone turn into a monster in front of me, and now it seems like you guys are acting like monsters. And Red Hot kind of shrugs and says, whatever. Sid said you were going to come, and he gave us a super strong lock seed to deal with you. So they summon a monster, like kind of a, a red armor suit with a dragon mask out of a mango uh, fruit thing. And yeah, they summon it. Uh, Kota transforms and Kota's kind of getting his ass kicked. Kota has forgotten how to fight because the plot has demanded it. Well, it's like the this is an especially strong invest and it's being summoned extra powerful. Like it's pulling in it's pulling in more energy because it's being jailbroken. And that becomes a problem when the jailbreaking makes it short out. Yep, it shorts out and the Invis uh, escapes their control and immediately starts attacking Team Red Hot. It's just beating dudes on the ground. The The leader guy is, is crawling away, shouting he's sorry. It is not a good look. Uh, so Kota, Kota gets knocked outside. Uh, he is continuing to get his ass kicked by this monster, and then the monster takes a swipe at his belt and knocks away something on it, exposing a connector port. And Kota looks at it, it's like, uh, can, wait, is that how this works? And puts kind of the extension thing he got on it and slots in the energy lock seed. Yes, this Nintendo 64 can now play Star Fox, Harry. Yeah, it's got those good reflections in perfect dark. So he so combined the lemon energy kind of summons a thing that wraps around the orange energy, and now he has the lemon raiment, and he has like the bow weapon that these Genesis riders have. He pumps it up and he one shots the monster. Like it's episode fifteen, and our hero has gotten his first serious upgrade. Kota is shocked. Like this, I destroyed that invest easily with this. And Sid, off to the side, is like, all right, well, I know where your missing gear went, Professor. We jump to uh, Tokatura and uh, Michi. They're in uh, Helheim, and Tokatura is leading them to the edge of a cliff, where he ominously points, and he tells Michi to stand and look. Michi does. Michi falls to his knees and starts almost weeping. Yes. Do you understand now? This is the truth behind the forest of Helheim. Michi nods. He nods slowly, without saying a word. Do you believe that our cause is mistaken, having seen this stuff over here that the audience is not going to see for, like, four more episodes? Michi nods and sheds a single tear. Yes. I I know now, and I understand why you can't tell anyone. Harry, is it the Statue of Liberty? Eh. Is it the Statue of Liberty? It's not like a million miles away. We'll, we'll get there. Okay. I, 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 we get this reveal relatively soon. Okay. The show really doesn't like to hold out on its reveals. No, I mean, there's a lot of plot to work through. But for now, Michi uh, is, like, Takatara turns to Michi and says, Join us in Yagdrasil, and I will show you the true war we face. And Michi accepts. Yes. 
we get our first face heel turn of the series. Then again, Takatura, he he still is convinced that he's the good guy. So maybe Michi, like, with whatever he's seeing, uh, he's, yeah, he's on board with being... Maybe he still thinks he's a good guy, too. I don't know. I don't know, Harry. Look, Sam, Michi's a good kid. Michi is a good kid. He's got a plan here. Obviously, he's making the right decisions. It's Michi. Oh, Michi. It's the character you said that you were the most like. It's Michi. Hmm. Well, if I'm the most like, like, I fucked a lot of shit up in my youth, Harry. <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, Kota is at Drooper's, the fruit bar that you find hilarious. Yes, the juice bar of self-reflection. And he's asking Bando, the owner, hey, does everyone who finds their way into power turn into monsters? Well, yes. Clearly, yes. Yeah, well, B- Bando has a bit more nuanced take. He says, like, eh, you know, there's lots of weak people in the world. Do you think they're all good people? No. Yeah. Okay, then on the flop side, being strong doesn't make you evil. But it also means that people with power have to be careful how they use it. Because how you use it is what makes the difference between a hero and a monster. And that is it for our coverage of uh, Kamen Rider Gaim this week. Starting to get some reveals? I mean, we've we've been getting a shit ton of reveals. <laughs> like, the show. Very, very up on the reveals. Like, the well, scientist... Yeah, not reveal. The scientist straight up gave away the plot, Harry. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, they'd seen, like, a lot of the plot. And, like, now they're... But the characters are moving their motivations and stuff. Like, we're seeing how Michi's moving to a different side, and we're seeing some of the divisions within the villains. Uh, you know, DJ Sagara is doing something. The beat writer teams are kind of splintering. It's a whole big deal. They're all moving around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now uh, we are going to do what hopefully will go well, and I won't have to just edit that, edit it out until the end of the episode. Like, if you've heard this, then it went well. We're going to try a fun game. Yes, we have noticed the theme of the various tokusatsu shows. There's a lot of evil corporations, and a lot of them try to monetize uh, various things that they really fucking shouldn't. If it's like the uh, the former memories of the Earth uh, that they're being dug up in Kamen Rider W, if it is evil alien fruit in Kamen Rider Gaim, if it is sentient tube gears in Kamen Rider Zero One, like, a lot of corporations are monetizing things that they really have no business doing. Yeah, and it's Interesting seeing the decisions in ways the characters are acting as heads of industry. So we thought to ourselves, what if we put uh, our crazy fictional characters in charge of real-ass companies? So I pulled up a list of the top U.S. corporations. We are going to go down the list of the top however much it takes until we get bored. And we are going to select, what is it, Terry, like a CEO and we're going to figure out an evil scheme for them to monetize poorly? We're taking turns, picking one of these corporations, and giving them to the other person. And that person has to put someone in charge of it, and can make their case as to how well they would do. And Sam, uh, because this was your your idea, you are going to be the first to pick a corporation and pass it to me. Alright, so, uh, let's start with the big daddiest corporation, and probably by far the easiest to turn evil. Uh, Walmart. A number one U.S. corporation. Uh, with uh, over 2 million employees and profits in excess of, you know, 514 million per year. Wait, is that in thousands or million? Oh, and 514 billion per year. Oof, 514 billion, okay. Uh, 
Walmart is a retail store, so a wide variety of products. Uh, hmm. Do we put, like, the heroes in charge or the villains? It's your call, Harry. Your call. This is Walmart. If you don't put a villain in charge of Walmart, you don't understand Walmart. You know what? I'll, I'll use the Zangak Empire for this one. Okay. That seems appropriate. Yeah, they're like a big, uh, they're a big, huge, big, huge organization. That's not actually, it, it's kind of, it works in, in terms of quantity rather than quality. Like it puts everybody else out, out of business. Yeah. And small groups of people keep working hard to throw it out of areas, but then they inexorably come back. I think that applies. I think that applies quite a bit. <coughs> I mean, what evil plot would it be with Walmart? Like, it would be sticking to the regular business practices and refusing to pay taxes. Yeah, like it's it's gonna be hard to argue some of these corporations evil. I know, like, fuck. I mean, I'm looking at the top five. It's Walmart followed by Exxon Mobil followed by Apple. Followed by Berkshire Hathaway. Harry, do you know what Berkshire Hathaway does? Because uh, I no. sure as shit don't. But damn, that's a villain name right there. Let's try to go for variety. Uh, Sam, I'll toss this back at you and give you General Motors. Ooh, GM. Okay, so we are talking with... Uh, we are talking about a construction company like they got their start in cars and other consumer mechanical electronic goods. So, uh, well, I mean, uh, just to lean on the current, like, uh, Common Rider Zero One, that is a corporation that is very big on manufacturing. Uh, like, yeah, GM would definitely heavily be involved in the robot revolution and creating uh, servants for people to make their lives easier and overcharging them. And as GM, they would make them malfunction and wipe out humanity. Yeah, like, do you think self-driving cars by by GM are going to have someone put a belt on them and then their headlights are glowing red and then they start driving through people? Yep. And do, GM do will declare that it's a success. Do you think they would turn into, like, extinct cars? Like, it, it transforms into, like, a Pinto? Is this, like, the start of the, uh, the Pixar movie Cars? Like, GM creates self-driving cars and then a few years later we have the, the apocalypse where there are no humans anymore? Not but cars? Yeah, yeah, this is dark. This is dark. All right, Sam, t toss me one back. Okay, so let's go. Let's go a little bit deep on this list. Harry, can you hear me now? Verizon, number forty-three of the world, and number like fifteen for the U.S. Ah, uh, that's a telecommunications organization. Yes. Ah. Uh. You know, I kind of feel like that's what uh, Psycho from Kamen Rider Double, because she was in charge of, like, a, a tech intelligence company. So I think that's okay. something I would put her in charge of. She'd run it pretty well, too. She wouldn't lose their top spokesman to Sprint. Yeah, Or like the, if he started to defect, she would just straight up murder him. Yeah, she was, like, her villainy was that she was a ruthless CEO that just wanted to be a strong ruthless CEO. Uh, I guess she'd have the problem of having a relationship with the guy who turns out to be a serial killer, which kind of happens for some major corporations. Seems very appropriate for Psycho, and I think she'd be doing a little bit better than the current Verizon uh, managers. She would have 5G up and running everywhere, Harry. There would be no blackout zones. Okay. Uh, well, 
Speaking of speaking of blackout, let's talk oil and gas. Oh god. Sam, who you who are you putting in charge of British British Petroleum? British Petroleum? Wait, is British Petroleum an American company? I mean Oh, just American? Okay, who's in charge of ExxonMobil? ExxonMobil. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, so drillers, energy, energy, energy. So, um fuck. Okay, going a little bit outside Toku, uh, let's go with Voltron, Legendary Defenders. Okay. The villains in that so, show, they were all about tapping quintessence and drawing life out of planets until it was not but dust. The Galra, right. Yes, the Galra, the Galra Empire. Empire. Just going around and just being energy inefficient as possible. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like, Voltron is definitely in the... The wheelhouse of Toku. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much exactly the plot. We, we don't need to twist them to make them evil. We really don't. Like, ExxonMobil is the company that in the 70s created a report about climate change and how devastating it would be. And then they spent the next, like, 40 years denying its existence. All right. Now, this is getting a little depressing because I'm tossing me another one. Uh, let's go with Apple. Straight Apple. into the Apple Arcology. I mean, it's a little tempting to say Yardrasil Corporation because, like, the whole fruit thing is real big. But let, let's let's stretch. Let's stretch a little. Like, what do, what does Apple say to you, Harry? It says like it says inbuilt devices. They do not like outside people coming in and fucking with their stuff. Very high levels of control. Very clean. Very white aesthetic. Was that you setting me up for, for something, or was that just you saying that? It was just me saying shit. I mean, the only thing that was coming to mind was, like, stormtroopers. Actually, that's not a bad analogy. Like, white stormtroopers marching everywhere. A guy in a black suit behind him. Yeah, and, like, the, the Apple logo is the Death Star. Okay, yeah, I'll take that idea from you, sure. Yay! It's the thing we're realizing, just that evil corporations are already evil and don't need, like, dudes in costumes to we make We really them don't worse. have to do much work to evil them up, do we? No, no. If anything, well, applying like Tokyville is to them almost waters down the inhumanity of them. Yeah, like having him be a weird monster guy in a suit does distract you from the fact that they're... That's a monster guy in a suit. <laughs> what is the real monster suit, Sam? Uh, people are acting like monsters, no! Uh, so, in, in summation, Ryder kicked the head of BP to death. <laughs> Well, we're going to be arrested, so let's end the episode. <laughs> Sam, what are we covering next episode? Uh, next episode, we are doing zero, 01 and Guy, in whatever numbers are the next sequential numbers after the ones that we just covered today. 10 and 17 and 18, respectively. Great. And we will be covering that in one week, and we'll see you then. Yay.